songs. Thank you so much. Do you know what a pyromaniac is? Webster's Dictionary defines it as a person with an uncontrollable desire to set things on fire. You know what? I think there's a little bit of pyromania in all of us. I think it's part of our DNA. It's hardwired into us. Who among us does not love to sit and stare into a campfire on a warm summer's night? Flames licking at the logs, hungry to devour them. Sparks leaping for freedom above the flames. A pillar of smoke rises into the heavenward toward the starlit, moonlit sky. Popping and crackling or music to our ears. We're mesmerized by the fire. Our minds begin to unwind. Our muscles begin to relax, soothed by the warmth of the fire. Someone picks up a long stick and begins to poke at the red-hot coals. There are long periods of silence, but no one seems to mind. Someone finally speaks. It's in a hushed and sleepy tone. An expression of their heart. There's nothing to, de to debate. Personal defense mechanisms are at an all-time low. The speech, it's thoughtful. The listening, sensitive. The feeling, magical. You know, I think there's something magical in moments like those that build memories. Memories of all those fly-in fishing trips with my dad and brother from the time I was six until I was 17. Memories of Canada-wide family camping trips, first to the West Coast, three years later, all the way to the East Coast. Memories of cold winter nights at Cynthia's mom and dad's when everybody would head for the basement and sprawl out in the carpet in front of the wood-burning stove. Memories of youth retreats where the most significant times were often around a, a campfire on the final night, sharing, singing, laughing, crying, and praying. I think there's something magical in moments like those that build memories. The Apostle Peter may feel the same way. In John chapter 21, we find him huddled around an early morning campfire on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. The nice thing about it was this fire was already blazing by the time he, was, he arrived. He didn't have to gather the dry wood or waste half a box of matches trying to get it started. He was there by invitation, and he wasn't the only one invited, but he was the first to arrive. You see, being impulsive by nature, he couldn't wait for the boat to reach land. Almost before the words departed from the Apostle John's lips, it is the Lord. P 
Peter was in the water, swimming towards shore. When the boat finally arrived, the others received their invitation to join Peter and Jesus at the fire. Two skeptics were there. Thomas, the one who refused to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead until he could touch him with his own two hands and see him with his own two eyes. Nathaniel was there as well, the one who, when being introduced to Jesus for the very first time, let it slip that he really wondered about the credibility of anyone who came from Nazareth. The dynamic duo were there as well, the two that Jesus nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. There were a couple of others, former fishermen, now disciples of Jesus, who had tagged along following Peter's announcement the previous night that he was going fishing. Apparently, these faithful followers of Jesus just couldn't resist the pull of the sea. And now, as they reached the shore, these hungry fishermen couldn't help but notice the fresh fish and fresh bread already cooking on the red-hot coals. In fact, as they approached the shore, the aroma of that fresh cooking would drift out over the waters of the Sea of Galilee to greet them. But no one dared to ask the silly question where Jesus got his supplies. Jesus' invitation to join him at the fire included a request that they bring some of their miraculous catch along with them. In all their excitement and rush to get to shore, they failed to draw the net in, instead dragged the net behind the boat. Peter, under the influence of an adrenaline overdose, pulled the net to shore all by himself. And the catch was amazing. 153 large fish. Even more amazing to these seasoned fishermen was the fact that their borrowed fishing net would not require mending. Jesus had not only provided a miraculous catch, he had preserved the net in the process. With fish in hand, these men headed up the pebble beach scattered with small shells to wait at the fire. Once there, they looked back over the beautiful, deep blue sea. And they would have agreed with the rabbis, the ancient rabbis, who used to say, Jehovah has created seven seas, but the Sea of Galilee is his delight. If you have a copy of the scriptures with you this morning, I invite you to turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. John 21, and I'd like to read for you beginning at verse 1. After these things, Jesus manifests himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, just another name for the Sea of Galilee. 
and he manifests himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. They went out, got into a boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and they were not unable, and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for he was work for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in, in the little boat, for they were not far from land but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, The net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifest to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. As they sat with Jesus their risen master. They feasted on fish and bread. They ate until they could eat no more. And then they stared into the fire. Flames licked at the logs, hungry to devour them. Sparks leapt for freedom above the flames. A pillar of smoke reached heavenward into the early morning sky. Popping and crackling were music to their ears. They found themselves mesmerized by the fire. Their minds began to unwind. Their muscles began to relax. Someone picked up a long stick and began to poke at the red-hot coals. There were long periods of silence but none of them seemed to mind. Jesus finally spoke. It was in a hushed and gentle tone, an expression of his heart. There's nothing to debate. Personal defense mechanisms were at an all-time low. The question was thoughtful. Simon, Son of John, do you love me more than these? Jesus' eyes remained fixed on the fire. Peter 
startled at first to hear his name, began looking around at the others. A silly little smirk began to form at the corners of his mouth. After all, wasn't it him that had just jumped in the water and swam to shore so that he could get to Jesus first? He begins to respond, but then hesitates as other possibilities begin to flood into his mind. Is he referring to the most recent fishing trip that I initiated? Do I love him more than fishing? Is that what he's getting at? That can't be it. Jesus knows the sacrifices I've made. I left all this behind over two years ago in order to follow him. Or does he mean my relationship with these other disciples? Now, these are great guys, and we've been through a lot together over the last couple of years, both good and difficult. But, oh, I know what he's getting at. Do I love him more than these others love him? After all, that is what I had claimed when he tried to warn us that all would desert him. Listen to Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 to 33. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Peter looked back into the fire with this sobering recollection came a burning sensation in his eyes. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus' response was immediate. Tend my lambs. And the silence returned. No one looked up. Again, it was Jesus who broke the silence. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter sat up straighter, the furrows between his eyebrows clearly visible. A quizzical look is now pasted on his face as he stares at Jesus and then looks to the others for support. Jesus' eyes are still riveted on the fire. The others were avoiding any kind of eye contact. Peter's answer was much quicker this time, but there was a hint of helplessness in his voice. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus' response was gentle but firm. Shepherd my sheep. The other men sprawled around the campfire, began to shift their weight 
feeling uneasy for Peter. But the silence returned. Everyone was feeling a little uncomfortable and unsettled as a result of this interaction. But before anyone could get up to leave or, or say something that would break the rising tension, Jesus spoke again. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? The words cut like a bullet ripping through his chest, penetrating his heart, leaving a gaping hole. Tears flooded into his eyes. And through the tears, Peter looked up and found Jesus looking at him. No longer were his eyes fixed on the fire. But they were not harsh and condemning, but filled with compassion and acceptance. And in that moment, Peter's mind raced back through time to another campfire. A campfire in the high priest's courtyard. The night was pitch black. The air was filled with hatred. And before the rooster crowed, Peter had denied his Lord not once, not twice, but three times. Turn with me to John's account again, John chapter 18. And notice verse 18. John chapter 18, verse 18. Now the slaves and officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold, and they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. Drop down to verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, being a relative of the one whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it again. And immediately the rooster crowed. Peter's voice quivers with emotion. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus affirmed Peter, saying, Feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Follow me. I think there's something magical in moments like these around campfires that build memories. Peter had built a memory at the fire in the high priest's courtyard that could have paralyzed him for the rest of his life. Jesus not only forgave him, but forgave this seasoned fisherman supernaturally, just like those borrowed fishing nets 
that had captured 153 large fish. Jesus not only forgave Peter, but he restored him. Now all of us have been to the fire in the high priest's courtyard. We've all betrayed our Lord at one time or another. It may have been something that we've said that we could never unsay. It may be something that we've done that we can never undo. It may be a missed opportunity that could have made a significant difference, a God-honoring eternal difference, but it's gone. Maybe some impure thoughts. Folks, we're less than perfect people, living in a less than perfect world. All of us, every single one of us, have been to the fire in the high priest's courtyard. We need to admit our less than perfectness, that we are sinners, and we need to turn from our sinful ways and ask God to forgive us. God, please forgive me. And name him if you can. Pride, selfishness, immorality, slander, whatever it is that comes to your mind. And here's the good news. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 reads, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and then come to the fire. Come to the fire on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Do not let your past paralyze you for the rest of your life. Accept God's forgiveness. Allow him to restore you, as he did Peter, who, by the way, was the one that God used to ignite a movement that was to become the church in which you and I are part of today, some 2,000 years later. And that's the message of Easter. And so we beg you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let's pray. Father, today is the celebration of all celebrations. Without the death and resurrection of Christ, we are all left to ourselves, dead in our trespasses and sins, and headed for a Christless eternity, assigned to a place of eternal punishment called hell. But God, we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God is so rich in mercy 
And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the message of Easter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.